haven't made a recording in a while. I don't know if I'll add this to the I Am Madeline podcast or just post it up on my personal thoughts on the Madeline Nerdfighter anchor account. But today is March 24th, 2022, and I've got some journalists interviews coming up and those are always hard because, you know, like once again, I have to be a magical TED talk, TED talk. So I, I don't know. Um, it, it gets me thinking about, I guess like my, my stance on my I don't know. Let me let me like boil down to where, <laughs> how do I say a thing? Um, when I was a little girl, um, I, I was really someone who who generally lost their temper. You know, if somebody did something unjust or like if a boy was teasing me, uh, I didn't like it, which was stupid because I was bigger than they were. Um, I, I would generally like push back or like hit them once and they would stop, but, but not out of any anger, more, this is stupid, you know? And that combined with, um, I, I remembered, I can't remember if it was grade two or grade three. Um, but one of my, one of my close girlfriends at the time, um, she had done something, something that was just empirically not okay. Um, and, and it was one of the rare times that I was mad and, um, so she was two seats behind me and there was a mutual friend in between. And I guess the teacher had stepped out of the room and she was trying to say something to me and I just turned around and, 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 uh, and I was cool, you know, when I get really mad, I, I'd become quite calm and, and I just succinctly like just laid it out that that was not okay. And I'll be darned if I can remember what it was. <laughs> it was something that was a very big deal in elementary school, whatever it was. And then when we'd all made up, it was very interesting to hear their sense of it. It's like they felt I was terrifying. Um, but again, I wasn't angry. Um, I was, what was I? I was angry, but not, mm, not furious, not in a temper. I was, the word I want to say is implacable. That, that there was, you know, there is different people's points of view. And then there are lines that are empirical truths, you know, that are, what do I mean when I say that, that are, that are fundamentals, you know? Um, and, uh, and, and when those are the moments, then I can't allow that to stand when, when somebody does something trying to think of what the right word was, you know, because again, it's always been so instinctive. It's like, like the difference between the taste of something that's gone bad in the fridge and the taste of something that's good. 
you know, it's not a matter of perspective. It's not a matter of, you know, there are things that are just bad and bad for you. It's that. And this is how I feel about the situation um, with the bias and abdication, both medically and, and then in regards to the larger supports, both on post-viral syndrome and all of its constituent parts. And, um, and the PWD assistance, um, I got to call it by what it is. It's an atrocity. Um, is that I feel like if, if somebody handed me like rotten raw chicken out of the fridge and said, eat this, like it's good for you. Like it makes any sense. Like things like graded exercise therapy make any sense. Things that are, are biased, not proper science. The way science is, you know, (laughs) defined to be that these are truths that defy the, you know, the islands of perspective that make us up and that can include bias, that there are larger truths that, um, anti-discrimination laws and, um, you know, uh, things that are meant to address gender and race bias and, um, you know, disability prejudice. And I don't know if I'm articulating this very well, and I'm, I'm really concerned. I won't be able to articulate it very well tomorrow. The journalist tomorrow wants to talk specifically about how deficits have led me into, you know, qualifying for MAID. And, you know, and it's tough because, you know, I have to reiterate the, you know, I'm not I'm qualified under quality of life, not because not because that's the reason it's because the disease abdication is so profound the maid doctors are not allowed to recognize i'm already in foreseeable death in the same way if you if you took insulin away from a diabetic they'll die when i run out of money for the scaffolds i'll doing i'm doing i'll die so it's slow brutal isolated in a care home or it's quick and terrifying (laughs) you know I don't get to live the choices aren't life and death the choices are what kind of death and and it's all based on things that are empirically against who we profess to be as Canadians and 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 you know and and in the midst of it I do feel like hurt and angry about these prejudices and, and infuriated, and I constantly feel this cognitive dissonance about how can this be happening to me. But I think at the core, that personality preset that showed itself at such a young age, you know, and that's not to say I didn't get mad, you know, like little kids have their temper tantrums when they're little, and, but, and, you know, and I, and I went through phases of, you know, the sullen teenager, but, but that's different than, um, than temper. You know, I I can think of maybe two or three times in which I was induced to actual temper, um, when I'm in my fifties and all of those happened in, two happened in adolescence and one happened in my twenties where I just actively felt, um, and not just felt, but allowed myself to communicate from a place of of real anger 
Um, but, but basically I, I've worked how I worked back then in that elementary school moment with my friend. And, uh, and I guess that's causing me to, and I can't remember if I talked about this in the first person testimony on the, I am Madeline podcast or not, but you know, it, it makes me think about, um, it makes me think about something that classmates said to me in university, you know, theater school, um, about, it, it was, uh, it was one of my professors who had, you know, I was what they call the throng. So it's like a period piece, but we were all in modern clothes. Like we were the mob and we were meant to lurk behind the main characters, but we're in relatively small rehearsal spaces. It's not going to be like it is on theater, but I was instructed to, you know, lurk in the same way I was going to lurk on stage. And the, the main character, she hadn't learned her lines properly. Um, she wasn't in a good space. And rather than just own that, she, she started losing her temper and she's like, oh, it's all, you know, it's all her fault. Like she's just too close to me and blah, blah, blah. And, and rather than the director saying, suck it up, buttercup, which he should have said to her, he, he chided me. He chided me. I was doing what he told me to do. And the injustice of that, you know, I was incredulous and I was angry because you know, that season we had been pretty shortchanged in the choice of plays that they've been allowed to do. So the, the guest directors that come in, they're allowed to choose, but they have to have parts for everyone. But the, the bulk of the parts were this throng. And I had a talk with him about it. I was very nonplussed. I mean, I'm paying the same as everybody else's. And to end up with a character that just feels like I'm not going to learn much from it. Uh, I was pretty irritated by that but we'd had a, a discussion and he said no that wasn't going to happen and so not only was he not um you know really setting this lead actor straight about yeah, that he had given me the instruction to do that and she was just going to have to deal with it um he went back on what he said to me and and uh i just I don't know. I, I remember um, what somebody said to me afterwards. They said, you pulled out of the room. Like, like, um, how does she say it? You pulled out of the room loudly, but you didn't say or do anything. But suddenly you weren't there anymore. And I didn't say or do anything. I was fairly fit to be tied <laughs> I was so mad <laughs> but again not in a temper way in a this is bullshit because it was bullshit it was again <laughs> like objective bullshit and um and and this is a fairly proud man the the director and uh and the, it was really the only time I ever even heard of him doing this, but he came up to me after rehearsal and he, he apologized to me. I didn't ask for it. I didn't anything. I basically wrote him off because if you say one thing and then you do something completely different, you've told me who you are. And, um, but he came up and he apologized. Like he really apologized. And, uh, 
and uh but but my classmates sort of saying that about me it, you know it it got me thinking about um the space i take up in the world you know that i i don't feel the need to have my ego stroked um i choose to share of myself unless like there's that measure of bullshit going on and then it's like all right I remove myself but I hadn't realized the impact and that that combined with another experience so so we were in the theater program and then there was the film program and so the film program regularly borrowed actors for you know it's good experience for us to to work in a different medium and so I I remember nothing about this film that we were doing and um you know they've been working on it a while I was stepping in just like a, a smaller you know, temporary thing. I was busy. I didn't want to do anything more. And so I stepped in and we're on set maybe three, three days, I think. And it was the second day of memory serves. And, you know, one of the tech people on that film shoot, and honest to God, I don't remember saying two words to him. Um, he came up and like out of nowhere apropos of nothing like I think I was just standing there like waiting and he comes up and he says there's something about you that makes a group happen and, and I kind of blinked at him for a minute and I was like what and he said there's something about you that makes a group happen and and then of course like something happened and we had to go back into position and I never got any more information about it than that but it really struck me because there's certain people, even if you don't know them, there's certain people that when they say something, there's a ring of truth. Like when you, you hit a bell and it makes a true sound. And, you know, and I puzzled over that for years, like literally puzzled. And I could do that. I do think I've talked a little bit about this already, but, but, um, I guess why I'm saying it is, for all that I'm really not in love with having to do the media stuff um, and, and nervous about being cogent and, um, you know, the magical TED talk, being eloquent as I'm sailing off a cliff. It's like trying to have a, a serious conversation where the Titanic is going down. That's what this feels like, you know? And, um, but in the, Sorry, I accidentally said my in real life name. <laughs> Sorry, brain is tired. But what I was trying to say in in the same way that, you know, friends have have let me know long after the fact that, you know, if they were having a party, if they heard my voice come through the door, they would feel relieved. They felt like the party would happen. That there's parts of myself that I, I don't fully understand um, how I how I fit in my not just in my fan group but in the world so I, I guess what I'm I'm trying to process I suppose is that as much as it's not a lot of fun to do the media stuff it's really daunting I'm putting myself in the hands of somebody you know <laughs> somebody else to try to understand my story and to, to tell it accurately and with impact which is not my idea of a good time um 
you know, um, it's just another offshoot of the, of the GoFundMe and begging for my life on the internet. But in the same way, it, it combines elements of, of a, um, innate sense of, of, uh, I feel like it's more intrinsic even than, um, than, uh, and something as simple as right and wrong, it, again, it, it harkens back to that when something tastes like wrong, like bad for you, like just off, you know, because right and wrong could be perceived as subjective. But then there are things that are empirically dangerous, empirically prob- problematic, objectively off, um, combined with whatever it is about me that that is a good communicator and that is a good connector. Um, so I don't know. I'm tired. I'm worried I'm going to sound all gobbledygook tomorrow. <laughs> like, and I am a little worried that this particular journalist, journalist wants to focus on the maid. Cause it's like, there's nothing wrong with the maid. There's everything that's wrong with what's forcing me there. That's pushing me off a cliff. That's grabbed my ankles like a monster in a horror movie and is dragging me out the door with my my nails digging in to the wall the whole way. <laughs> like, I don't know. I'm laughing because I don't know what else to do other than laugh. Because it's so... I don't know. Even to this day, even after so many decades, it remains unbelievable to me. You know, a disease that I, I read people's posts on Twitter, the long COVID, my fellow, long COVID fellows, and they are my fellows and, and they do have ME and I do worry with long COVID like, oh, no, we don't have ME. I get it. I get it. There's bias. But if you don't embrace the reality of that, you're missing out on all the research that's been done and, the, and, and people are going to waste time reinventing the wheel, going down um, rabbit holes. Anyway, like... Now I'm gone down a rabbit hole of brain tired, but you know, the, the gist of it is like, how do I, how am I cogent tomorrow? How am I useful, useful? <sighs> I just want to take care of myself. I just want to be able to take care of myself. I don't want to have to do any of this. And yet, and yet in the same breath, I'm so grateful to have reporters interested in telling my story so that I have a possibility of survival and that this is a possibility for other people not to have to walk the path I've walked. I was talking today, yesterday, sorry, with, with, um, you know, one of my leaders in a volunteer role I do and, uh, well, I'm a community member and I was saying, you know, like it was really nice to hear one of my co-coordinators talk about how much she appreciated my mentorship. I I, I got to admit, I didn't like set out to mentor anything. <laughs> like I just shared what happened because like I I learned how to do that by banging my heads up against a wall. I mean, maybe it'd be nice for somebody else not to have to do learn that way. And I think that this is just as true with with my you know post viral experience and with my experience on PWD assistance, like there are lessons to be learned. Um, you know, people have ended up and made before because of each of those individually and sure as heck, because both of them together and, um, it just hasn't been recognized. So I don't know, I guess 
I'm hoping the universe will gift me with some eloquence tomorrow morning. I guess we'll see.